So you are listening to the Evolution Exchange, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders here in Asia. I'm Sid, and I, I help tech companies hire the best salespeople and product people in the business, and today I'm your host. We have the pleasure of being joined by two fantastic speakers who have come from a very different backgrounds, and both have been both have taken a jump to build new products in nascent industries. First, we have Jason, the CPO of Terrascope, an enterprise-grade end-to-end smart carbon management and oh, sorry, smart carbon management SaaS platform. And prior to moving into ESG, he has taken senior product leadership positions in Property Guru, Seek, and Experian. Next, we have Sudeep, the CPO of Asia Next, a trusted digital exchange for institutional investors in Asia and globally. Prior to joining this early stage startup, he had taken on senior roles leading trading platform development in Credit Suisse and Bank of Singapore. It's really great to have you guys here with us today. And just a quick disclaimer before we kick things off properly, all thoughts and views expressed by our speakers and myself are that of the individual and not that of their organizations. So with that out of the way, let's get started. So we'll kick things off with some quick introductions and maybe Jason, you can go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and why you decided to move into ESG. Sure. And uh, thanks for having me today. Really great to be here to uh, engage with your listeners. So my name is Jason, Chief Product Officer of Terrascope. Uh, we're an end-to-end decarbonization platform helping companies measure their scope one, two and three emissions and plan a credible pathway to net zero. So obviously a very, very exciting space. I've been in product most of my career. I started off in more commercial roles, looking after key accounts and that type of thing. And I always had a, an extreme curiosity about how things worked, what the customers needed. I was always feeding that back. So I very quickly found myself in product roles. As you said, at Experian, which is a internet measurement platform, quite revolutionary back at the time. I was VP of product there, having started as the first product manager. So progressed through into Seek and employment marketplace, managing product on the hire side. Uh, then up to Singapore for Property Guru, uh, looking after the B2B SaaS platforms, data platforms, and ultimately here at uh, Terrascope. So been in the game for quite a while and uh, really enjoying the journey. Awesome. Sidi? Yeah, thanks. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, happy to, to you know be part of a conversation where we can actually help your listeners to understand uh, product and career movement and mobility. So as a background for myself, I have worked across uh, US, Europe, and Asia for the last 17 years in the capital market space primarily. Um, I have not been in product my entire life. I have shifted roles. Um, so although being in capital markets, I have covered um, trading operations, technology, and the last 10 years I've been in the product role, uh, building financial products and the platforms for those financial products. Um, so I am heading up product at Asia Next. It's a new digital exchange. It's a startup firm. It's a joint venture of uh, Switzerland and a Japan-based group. Um, we actually want to offer digital assets covering newer asset classes like crypto, but we would also offer traditional financial products like private equity, structured products, and so on, real estate, actually even carbon. Um, so that's something that we want to offer in this new technology tokenized version of the world. Um, in terms of um, product experience, so as I mentioned earlier, I have built financial products. Um, obviously, you know how they work in terms of the end-to-end -end flow, um, but also the technology and the platform aspect of it. 
So from that sense, a good blend of both commercial and technology dimension into the product. Amazing. So Sudeep, let me just stick with you for a second that why did you decide to jump into this crazy world of crypto when you see a lot of things happening, a lot of movements, a lot of instability and you know you were pretty comfortable in a good role in a good organization why take that jump yeah that's a very good question sometimes i do wonder myself but um <laughs> but yeah i mean when i look back um you know and think why i took that decision it was actually nothing to do with crypto um, as i mentioned earlier i've always been in the capital market space i've seen the pains and inefficiencies around a lot of these financial products um not just for institutions but when it reaches the end clients which could be individuals or could could be smaller uh, you know family offices um brokerage firms and so on there is a lot of inefficiencies um internally within banks as well as the final consumer um that is where i was actually a late bloomer in the whole blockchain and crypto space although all of this started uh, way back in 2009 2010 right i mean all those white papers were done back then but i personally did not pick up a white paper until 2021 so really really late in the game but um i picked up the white paper and then i started reading i got bored right it was very technical uh but then i started no this kind of is in the right direction i need to understand this more so what do i do i invested so what i <laughs> did was a, i bought a few uh not few in decimals bitcoin uh, and eth right um and then obviously when you're invested you're vested right so i started reading i understood tried to understand the market um that's when i realized that a lot of what has been already done for crypto as an asset class could actually also be done for traditional asset class because the flows are exactly the same um so that was my motivation in 2021 and my uh, employer at that time ocbc bank of singapore as a group they were kind enough to you know give me the flexibility because i was running the trading and uh, and uh, execution platform so they gave me the flexibility to you know be part of that working group to look at uh, digital assets and crypto from a strategy um so i got interested you know kind of looked at it from a market perspective uh that's when i decided no you know this is the direction to go to uh but sitting in a bank it's bit difficult to you know really um take the bull by the horn and steer it and that's when i decided that maybe i should move into a startup and fintech world where the product itself starts with blockchain and tokenized format um So here I am, uh, one year now. So basically, I left the banking industry last year in March. I moved briefly to a Hong Kong-based um, licensed digital asset player, and then Asia Next I joined September last year. <laughs> Fantastic. So I guess similar question. Um, you know, why ESG? What about it really made you want to tackle this problem? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It was somewhat opportunistic, and, and when I think back on my career, most moves have been opportunistic. Something presents itself, you consider, and you you make a decision: is this worth going for? Um, and then this this opportunity came to me uh, soon after uh, we IPO'd Property Guru on the New York Stock Exchange last year. This opportunity came about, and the first thought is always: shit, can I do this? You know, this is ESG. I've, I'm passionate about it on a different sense about uh, you know single-use plastics and water. And this, these types of topics, as a family, we're very, very strong on that. But when it comes to carbon, I really didn't know that much. So the first thought is, 
you know, how can I do this? Um, I, I don't have domain expertise. But then when you think about it, um, and I think about all of my career pivots, if you bring your craft, you bring your passion and your curiosity, the rest will fall into place. So building a great team of great people, building an organization around us that has the right ESG credentials to make sure that the whole organization can function well was, was just critical because there's just not enough people with backgrounds in ESG or particularly carbon measurement to build an organization. So we were very fortunate that we are a corporate venture backed by Olam, Fortune 500 company who's been in this space for a long time tackling their carbon emissions. And they built a, um, a program with BCG Digital Ventures, which was a wonderful way to kick off a, an idea and prove the concept. And as we started to get traction, that's when they started to bring in the professional leadership team and when they engaged me. So I went through the process, <clears throat> really enjoyed the process and the subject matter, did a lot of learning and reading just as part of the process and felt like I could offer value with my, my skills uh, and, and my history. So uh, fast forward seven months, you know, I was employee number 10 slash 11. My colleague was actually 10 on 11, although we started <laughs> on the same day, so that's the sore point. Um, but we've just got to 78. So pretty significant growth in seven months. We're right. now in four or five markets. And that stretches you even further. Like how do we make sure that we're um, keeping up to speed, that we're engaging the customers appropriately, learning, staying ahead of the curve. So hiring and bringing on great people is absolutely critical to the, to the success of the business and of my role itself. Fantastic. So what would be some of the unique challenges and opportunities uh, that present itself when you make these types of large industry changes? Yeah, for me, it's, well, it's it's learning. So if you, you know, most people I know that are in product are there because of their extreme curiosity, humbleness, and the ability to say when they don't know. And I think this provides such a tremendous opportunity just to get up to speed, but things are changing so fast. Regulations are changing, investor uh, expectations are changing, stock market expectations are changing, everything's changing. All of the regulations and all of this. So then when you talk about a nascent industry where many of our customers and potential customers are very early on their journey, and everything's changing, it's a tremendous challenge. So um, from learning, absolutely, making decisions with very little data or customer data, because there's, you, know, you have a small customer base to start with, you have to you know, source your information and inspiration from elsewhere, and making sure you keep up with your uh, continuous discovery, product discovery and industry discovery is a very important muscle to build. I think for me, um, it's even more important in this role than it has been in others, and it's a muscle I've had to build with myself and the team to get better at continuous uh, discovery. But in summary, yeah, when you're curious and there's a lot to know and you don't know it, that's very exciting for a lot of people and especially me, so it's a, it's a great challenge. Fantastic. So I think the regulation angle of it will be very, very relatable to you, Sadeep. Um, I think we all know everyone's trying to regulate, no one really knows how to regulate. Um, so, you know, on, from your own perspective, what are some of the challenges and opportunities that you face? Yeah. No, I 100% agree with what Jason just mentioned, right? I couldn't have put it better. Um, it's it's a changing climate, right? So both in terms of changing your career as well as changing uh, into a field which is nascent, right? So both, I think, climate and, and ESG, um, digital assets, all of this is still nascent, uh, although digital assets and crypto has been there for 10 years. But from an institutional standpoint, it's still nascent, it's evolving, right? regulatory landscape is changing. So challenges, again, definitely is around learning and keeping up with the changes, right? So every other day, you see Hong Kong and Singapore and the mature markets, they are coming out with consultation paper or revision to their policy, whatever, right? Um, so I think 
being a product person, I, I'm pretty sure Jason would agree. It helps that we are open, right? Naturally, you are open to evolving landscape and then pivoting and, and identifying, you know, where is the direction of the industry? Where is the direction of the client? And then devising and um, formulating your solutions accordingly. So that mindset definitely helps. So somebody who has done products for some time, I think steering into a different industry and into a nascent industry um, would still come out with its own challenges. But if you are open to learn, if you're open to say, I don't know, and but I need to find the answer, find the right people, find the right, you know, internally or externally, I think those challenges can actually be opportunities, right? Where you continuously learn. And the sec third aspect is collaboration, right? Um, nobody would have all the answers. Nobody would have all the information. So being able to work with people, you know, so that they can actually um, work together for the same vision, for the same objective of the firm, or maybe even at the industry. So we do a lot of collaboration and partnership work. I'm, I'm sure, you know, your industry also needs that because one entity cannot make it happen, right, in a nascent industry. So this whole aspect of let's try to solve something for the industry, that's very important. Um, so that's where we try to find minds matching first and then we can work on the how to do it, right? Once we see that the minds match, uh, we identify the problems are the same. That's when you say, okay, fine. Now let's try to scope it out. What are the options out there? Let's try to find other similar thinking people and we complete the, you know, complete landscape of the solution. Um, so yeah, I would, I would think that um, there are challenges, but those, if you take it positively, if you're curious and you're open to learning and you're open to uh, the unknown, it can be a very good opportunity to really take your career to the next level. Actually, you raise a really good point on the, the build by partner mentality. We certainly believe that it takes a village. <clears throat> if you think about the ESG or the broader ESG agenda, where the C in the E, where the carbon, and we focus very much on carbon and very much on scope three. Of course, scope one and two, table stakes, but scope three. When customers are nascent but have growing needs across the entire ESG, we're not going to solve all of those things, and we know that. Yeah. So it's a principle. So, you know, we'll do that through partnerships. So we partnership with a company called Mokiva, New York Stock Exchange, also NASDAQ listed, uh, you know, enterprise reporting platform that does both financial and now ESG. So if customers are joint customers, then we have an API that pumps straight in and that the reporting is solved. We don't have to build it so we can focus deep on what we do. It pumps with DBS Bank, uh, you know, with South Pole, these types of companies to really uh, be mutually beneficial for customers because ultimately if the customer's happy, you know, everyone's happy yeah. and just no one can solve this end-to-end. Uh, -end. So it really does take a village with a very open mindset on that. Don't have to build everything. Okay. So when you are thinking about building these new products, right, that, is it better to be hyper-focused on a small problem or do you have to kind of look at a lot of different pieces and try to solve for different people as well? I can go first. Yeah. Uh, look, we're tackling a very, very big problem and we kind of went for the hardest of the hard being scope three in food and agriculture. So very deep, complex supply chains and measuring that accurately is very challenging, which means it took us longer to get off the ground. It was a big incubation period. It was sort of the really hard problem and it really benefited us because we learned a lot more, we learned quickly and we could scale into different adjacent uh, industries and, and areas and, and markets. Um, Problem definition is something I'm quite passionate about because often when you ask people who aren't trained product people with a product mindset, they'll be describing symptoms, not problems. Mm -hmm. And if you solve a symptom, you're not solving the underlying problem. So 
typically problems can uh, come together as a group of problems and then you break it down and you focus on them absolutely one by one uh, and make sure you drive forward with the whole you know, MVP, MMP approach. But uh, very much really being detailed on how you articulate, break down, challenge what the problem is once you've got that and who it's for. For us, is it an analyst running the platform or is it an ESG leader looking for the insight? Two very different personas with different problems to solve, being very focused on which ones and of course having a decent prioritization framework about where to go. Yeah. So I again agree. I, I think um, as a product person and especially in a nascent industry, you wouldn't really have a lot of um, answers, you know, in terms of, okay, this is what you need to solve, right? So you have to find the problem um, and then also ask yourself, is it worth solving it, right? Because there will be many problems. So first is, is it worth solving it? Who would benefit? Second is, are we best placed to solve it? Because there are so many problems out there. Uh, one company, one entity cannot be solving everything, right? You can identify, and I think going back to a partnership um, kind of, you know, uh, engagement model, you, because you want to solve it for the industry, you might bring it up to different partners to say, okay, you know, we identified this problem uh, and maybe they are better placed to solve it, right? So two things are important. One is identification. Second is, um, are we the right guys to solve it? Um, so from a exchange perspective, right, and digital asset perspective, I guess what we try to find out is the themes that, you know, we want to solve. We don't go and say, oh, we will solve private equity first, no. So we try to identify as an exchange, the key benefits we bring is a fair price discovery process, bringing liquidity, bringing, you know, um, investors as well as sellers into the same platform. So those are the common themes we have. And then we try to map it to, okay, what are those products and asset classes where this is lacking, either liquidity is lacking, or you don't have a fair pricing mechanism, or you do not have a certain marketplace for buyers and sellers to come together or it is capital inefficient, you know, and then you try to find, okay, you know, this is where the product or the asset class are lacking all of these. So let's try to solve that. Then of course you go to the next level to validate it with the market participants. And I think Jason mentioned prioritization, right? So uh, we won't identify just one. We will probably identify at the same point, three or four such things. Then we assess the market demand, assess uh, profitability for the firm, right? And then we do a prioritization and start the product development accordingly. Okay, awesome. So I think the next part about building building good products in a nascent industry is building a team to help you build those products. Um, it's a complex task on its own. And I think as a chief product officer, in a lot of ways, your product is the team. So I guess, how do you hire for your team and what do you look out for? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think when you're thinking about the team in this, this construct, it goes way beyond product. It's across the org, you know, um, all functions, but I guess what we'll focus on today is you know, product, tech and design. So, you know, a great pod that's delivering on outcomes and solving problems have to be autonomous, uh, you know, have the strategy and then and go ahead and, and solve it. And it's really much a partnership between the product manager, the designer and the tech, all those three have to be together. And it's important to have diversity, very, very important to have diversity. So we have a, a very proactive um, work around diversity across all of our teams. We're happy to say we're at about 45% diversity, 45% female, 55% male. We want to be 50-50 and we're doing our best to get there. But 45 is pretty good. We're not happy. We need to get to 50, but you know, it's pretty good. 
And it's not just diversity of gender, it's diversity of backgrounds, of nationalities, of approaches, of cultures. So I think that's really great because then you can breed a culture of innovation, open challenging, have a great argument and then go for a beer or a cup of tea, you know, that, that type of culture. Um, certainly we hire and look for people with um, good judgment, good experience. I mean, we, we don't, we, we're not hiring junior people right now. I think as we scale, we can, we're hiring the experienced people. So with great judgment, curiosity, and, and they've sort of got a bit of scar tissue. You've made mistakes, you've been through it. And most people listening uh, to this podcast will have been through that and uh, have had those things. So it's about people who can take mistakes, take challenging situations and flip them and turn them into positives and then bring that forward. So, you know, we hire regionally, we have people already in, in Australia, in Japan, in the UK, in uh, Singapore and India, and we continue to hire people, you know, across the world. Yeah. So I think in addition to that, I would also say a good mix, right? So diversity, just extending on that topic. Um, diversity also in terms of the domain, you know, and um, the, the skill sets that they cover, right? So as a product team, um, and product is all about people. It's all about people, not just within the product, but the job itself is about people, right? Externally, because obviously you need to meet um, the, the prospects, the clients, you know, who would sometimes just talk about their pain points, uh, being able to empathize with them. But at the same time, wear a commercial hat and say, is it really sentiment driven or is it really a, a, a opportunity that we need to, you know, take back, uh, discuss and then solve some, you know, some, some, some solve uh, some of those problems. Um, so I would say a mix of people who uh, come from different backgrounds in terms of technology, operations, um, you know, because product people typically come from various backgrounds. So as long as the core of being curious, um, the, the, I would say building, building nature, right? Everybody doesn't have it. So some people, they just purely love the aspect of building something new, seeing it out there and solving for people, right? You know, so that attitude can come from somebody who is sitting in operations. Um, so we try to hire people from various backgrounds because then you have a good mix of somebody who has done operations before can really say, but how would the operational flow look like, right? Will it be efficient? So bring that, you know, at the forefront of designing when you do the product design and discovery. Um, so technology, operations, commercial, sales, product marketing, all of this is a good mix that can form a nice product team together. Um, the other I would <coughs> think is uh, an important aspect is the ability to appreciate the different uh, functions within the organization, right? Because what I've seen, at least in my banking experience, I'm not so sure about other industry is um, for from the sales, commercial and product team, there is always a, a conflict arising from internal department. You, you don't really understand our process, you know, you don't understand the complexity, you just bring uh, loads of work to us, right? So that aspect, I think, um, if one is able to understand and appreciate internally how it works, it also helps in building that, I would say, um, a, a nice environment within the organization where everybody then sees the benefit of a certain objective and then works together to make it happen. So one thing I ov obviously look for during my interview stage is, can a person tell a story, right? It's not just about a project. Can they tell a story, a story that I like? So I always use this technique that can you 
sell me something where you basically have done something end to end and will I be convinced to join you for that journey, right? If that's something that one can convince me with, I'm pretty sure that they can get operations, technology, design, everybody together, work together and as Jason says, go for a beer later. Even though you might fight for the cause, not between yourself, right? Don't attack the person, attack the problem. So I think these are some core things that are quite important for a product person uh, and that's what I typically, it's difficult, I know it's difficult in an interview um, but that's where I try to keep it 50-50 where certain core skills are kind of questioned but at the same time just conversation right, tell me about a situation when you know somebody was basically not saying yes to whatever you wanted to do so how did you go about it, things like that. Yeah, I mean uh, yeah, yeah, perfect, I'd summarize, summarize it as like a growth mindset. Yeah. You know, really being able to look forward. One of the techniques we use in interviews is, uh, to, I mean, you know, we've all seen it and we've all done in, in our past great interviews, awesome candidate, doesn't fit for whatever reason when they start. Maybe it's a competency, maybe it's an attitude, who knows. <clears throat> so we introduce case studies and the case studies have a bunch of information, typically about the industry, and it's really a way of them understanding what's involved in the role. So, but also how do we operate? So we ask questions like we would in a normal meeting, you get, just get to know our culture as much as yours and a great way of them learning. But one thing that we do, and this is fine for potential candidates if they're going to interview with me, I told them anyway, we're going to give you a bunch of information, you're going to present and you're going to talk and I'm probably going to challenge some of those things or tell you actually that was wrong, the information we gave was wrong, it's something different. How do you think, how do you pivot, how do you process information and keep moving forward without becoming defensive, uh, which is all part of the growth mindset. So that's something to certainly, you know, if you're practicing case studies for a product role, think about the types of contrary questions or challenges you will get and how you how you can address them. The more you practice over time, you'll be able to sort of handle on the fly, which is all part of you know, working with people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what advice would you give to someone who is interested to make a similar pivot, but you know, has certain reservations, maybe they're a bit scared about how it might look uh, or they, are, they don't feel like they're ready to take on a zero to one, uh, what advice would you give to someone like that? I think in, in, in product in any career, it shouldn't be uh, something you think about every X years. Okay, three or four years time for people, what should I do? I mean, you should always be growing. So my advice to people is be connected, uh, be respectful. So if you're interviewing product managers, you may be working for them one day, or they may be recommending you in. So candidate care is very important when you're interviewing. Um, and, and just build your relationships in your network because it goes a long way. Most senior people that are going to get hired, there'll be an informal reference check before you even know it. You know, is this person good? Have they got good judgment? So really just build your networks, get involved uh, and support the industry. Like get out there. Um, the more you do, the more people you can rely on. I'm pretty sure I hit up four or five people as I was going into my case study here to ask them for their experience. What are their thoughts? You know, how would you approach it? I didn't get them to do it for me, of course. Uh, I got three of them to do it for me. No, I didn't. Um, but I think just having that network to be able to leverage and bounce upon is, uh, is very, very important. So just be, be always prepared and then know when it's time. I think know when it's time. Um, opportunities come. Um, that's often a good point to reflect and decide, you know, is this the right time for me? Is it the right type of company for me? And make a strong decision that you're going to take it seriously or you're going to stay where you are and stay there with conviction. Because over time you will, you will move. Everyone moves and that's okay. And um, when I look for companies, I look for companies and leaders that I try and be myself, it's very open to that. You're not here forever. You're going to hear and deliver great stuff. You're going to have huge growth. And when you're ready to not be here, then don't be here. That's fine. 
because you'll find something better for you. And that's a completely open philosophy, which I think is uh, is great. And as a result, you end up with great tenure, great engagement, yeah, and uh, and happy, productive teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I I kind of agree, right? I mean, the the mindset of uh, learning continuously it's it's something which is inherent, right? I mean, if somebody has it, I'm pretty sure at some point after again, it depends a year, two years or more, um, there will be a calling where I say, mm, have I stopped learning? And then you will be, okay, let me, you know, let me look at my next opportunity. And sometimes, um, you know, you would have certain topics which are like personal interest for you. Um, in those cases, you know, for, for us, I guess it was PSG for him, digital assets for me. So we kind of knew that this is the space we want to explore, right? I wouldn't say we want to move into, we want to explore. So that ability to uh, realize when is the right time, right? When have I start uh, stopped learning and I need to learn something new? That is quite key. So being self-aware, right? Um, and I agree, it's important that if you have identified the industry, um, it's easier because then you just go and try to mix, you know, within your network to understand more about the industry. Because as an outsider, there might be fascinating things about something, you know, that you think you might be interested in. But if you're not talking to the people, you might not be aware of what the non-likable aspects of it is. And hence, you have to go out there, meet people, understand what the non-likable aspects of it are. Then take a call. Do I still want to go ahead, right? Now that you know both the sides, you make a call. Difficulty is when you actually don't know, then obviously you need to find you know, more time and meet different people across different industries. Um, but that's where I, I feel it's important to continue to you know learn, read about different topics. And I think in a product role, even today, it's important for us to be ahead of the curve, right? So learning continuously about the industry, uh, about what the customers are asking for, it's quite important. Um, and I guess one thing which is, uh, I have been unfortunate in that sense that I've not really found a mentor yet but early in my career you know i was hoping that you know i'll get a mentor kind of you know to steer okay what's next what's next so i would strongly advise for uh, product people and in general uh, as a career guidance to find a mentor if one can um, because then it opens up um, network at a senior level right so if the mentor is then able to guide you and put you in touch to various industry people, that's even better because then you have a longer term perspective and a higher level vision that you can think of. Um, so yeah, I mean, these are the things that I could advise based on my own experience and what I could not get. One other thing, the question was around pivoting your role into a different industry, but there's also pivoting your role into another role. So I fell into product, most people fell into product. I didn't even know it was product, what I was doing when I was doing it until five years later when I realized that was product. But, um, and it's through, it can be entrepreneurship or doing things within your own organization because you've got your support network, you've got trust, then hey, get a stretch assignment, put yourself out there, do something. Like I said, I fell in because this was way back in the day in England in, in a company called Teletext, which is like early internet. And the business model was kind of weird. It was sort of a pay per holiday offer, for example. And as the sales guy or looking after key accounts, I realized we were leaving a lot of money on the table and the customer experience wasn't great because they would only put offers in where they think they're going to get traction. So I sort of came forward and said, guys, we need to change the model to a pay-per-call, pay-per-click, pay-per-call. 
Uh, well, we don't know how to do that. I said, well, let me do it. So I went and basically found a technology team, found a telco and just built a whole new platform, not having a clue what I was doing. Um, and then it completely changed the, the like pivoted the business model and profitability. And then I wasn't to like move back to Australia and realize I'm actually a product, <laughs> uh, you know, and then, and then similar thing happened when I started there. So I think pivoting within your own organization, uh, if you have a good organization, is always something worth considering because um, you can tighten up on skills or, you know, as, as a stepping stone. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, you know, I think that company, even though I did that and ended up moving to Australia, they got value, I got value, everyone's happy, we're still good friends. Uh, in fact, a couple of them are coming to my birthday next month in Bali, right? This is people I knew 20 years <laughs> ago. So, uh, so you know, it's uh, doing doing entrepreneurship or, or career pivots within your organization. If you have the opportunity, go for it. That's fantastic advice, guys. And I really appreciate you sharing that so freely. Um, and that's all the time we have for today. So um, that flew by. Uh, <laughs> so once again, I'd like to thank you guys for sharing your experiences and insights. Um, it's been a really good conversation and, you know, I hope you guys, you know, took away some stuff from it as well. I, I'm sure our listeners would have. Um, so as always, stay tuned for the next one and we'll see you soon.